Good morning, everyone, and thank you for tuning in again this week. I know this is articulated every week, but we really appreciate you being with us. So thank you again. In 2012, my wife Des and I were able to go over to the USA. Uh, it was a little work, mostly holiday. And as I've always wanted to see the Grand Canyon, we seized the opportunity and took time out. We drove up, parked the car, got the maps, and then walked up this gently winding pathway. And, and suddenly, there it was, uh, right in front of you. Now, uh, now, of course, I'd seen pictures and programs featuring the Grand Canyon. I, uh, but I can assure you, it's not the same as being there. It was, it was absolutely majestic. I mean, it, it rendered me speechless. In fact, I remember thinking at the time, why are those people over there still speaking, e even talking in the face of such, such a wonder? Well, the panorama of it all was breathtaking. And this is what we get here in this first chapter of Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Someone said that this is the greatest panorama of salvation that you could ever read. Further, furthermore, as you shall see, the, the Apostle Paul is far from being speechless about the blessings of being united with Christ. So we're going to read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished upon us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity to the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Well, as you read these verses, you get the impression that as the Apostle Paul begins to recount the wonder of our salvation, he gets on a roll of praise and worship where words and phrases keep coming and yet it would seem as still not enough. But what he wants to 
But what he wants to express is this joy-filled letter. And he does that. And what a letter to receive. And yet at the end of the letter, Paul tells us that he is an ambassador in chains. He's writing from a prison cell, which in those days would have been unimaginatively basic, I can assure you. And here he is declaring the blessings that are his and yours in Christ, irrespective of the situation he finds himself in. We're going to explore three questions today. How are these blessings possible? What are these blessings? And why are these blessings possible? So, first of all, how are these blessings possible? Well, often we are tempted to think that blessings are dependent on our present circumstances. So this week on WhatsApp and Facebook, I've seen numerous beautiful idyllic scenes of beaches and countryside to which the comment could well be blessed. But the blessings that Paul is full of have nothing to do with his environment or anything from outside himself. It is all down to his life in Christ. And as you read these blessings that Paul has rolled out, one after the other after the other, there's a key phrase that runs through the whole of the passage, which of course is the title to this series, In Christ. Well, sometimes in these verses it's, it's in him or through him. Verse three, every spiritual blessing in Christ. Verse four, for he chose us in him. Verse six, about grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves, i.e. in Christ. Verse seven starts with in him. Verse nine, which he purposed in Christ. If you have received Jesus, you have every spiritual blessing. The central to being a Christian is to be united with Christ. You cannot have these blessings any other way. Now, now think of it as a stick of rock. And as you look at it, there are words printed on the top. Normally it's of a seaside town, Brighton Rock or Eastbourne Rock. The point is that wherever you break the rock, these words are running through it. So quarter of the way through or halfway through or right at the bottom, you'll have, it, you'll have the words running through. In Christ is the truth that runs through the whole of your life, Christians. These blessings are yours. This is true for you today. Now, I mean, right this moment, I'm irrespective of how this last week or year have gone or what you have done, if you are in Christ, they are yours. Well, you might say to me, Neil, I, I don't deserve to have these blessings. This is nothing to do with what you think you deserve or don't deserve. If you're in him, they are yours and they are freely given. So many years ago, Des and I were going on a flight to France and we were held back at the gate and not really knowing why. I'm wondering if there was a problem. And then at the end of it, we were told we'd been given an upgrade to business class. Well, this was new territory to us. All the space around us. And then there was the offer of champagne. And breakfast was brilliant. It was all free. It was wonderful. I mean, we really liked it. Listen, I didn't fret about whether I deserved it or not. No one had to go and make me go in that seat. 
I wasn't dragged into the seat. I was more than willing, I can assure you. I sat in my business class seat. I, I had no misgivings whatsoever, nor did I once wonder whether I qualified to be treated like this. This was nothing to do with what we deserved. It was all to do with someone who knew us. And the airline had merely put in uh, somebody who knew us and, uh, and, and the airline and had merely put in a word for us. It was all because that someone had, he was a person who was a friend in high places. We're united with Christ. We're not united to a set of doctrines or a church statement of faith. We are united to a person, to Christ himself in Christ. I get what I don't deserve. How is this possible? Because I'm in Christ. I suppose the key question to ask quite simply is, are you? And do you know what Jesus has done for you? Well, we'll pick up on that a little later. What are these blessings? I'm only gonna to touch on three. You're chosen, you're adopted, and you're redeemed. So verse four says, for he chose us. Christians, really get this, you are chosen. And furthermore, the Bible tells us that we were chosen in him before the creation of the world. It's really important you understand that because it wasn't down to you. And quite simply, you weren't around before the creation of the world. You are God's choice. It's all down to him, not you. I mean, this is an identity matter. Your significance, your security, your acceptance, it's all wrapped up in the truth that you have been chosen by God. I love this truth. For me, because of things in my past, and I, I've always had a tendency to look for my significance in how I perform or what I have accomplished. Well, the problem with that is, is that it, it leaves you trying to prove yourself as significant or worthwhile, somehow deserving. The writer of this letter is clear about this because he writes to a church in Philippi the Apostle Paul, and he puts all his credentials on the table. And he effectively says, you know, I had it all. I mean, I, I was a, of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, uh, a Pharisee, zealous, legalistic, righteousness, faultless. And then he writes, I consider them rubbish compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. Our identity, my friends, is not in our achievements or our status. No, it's that we have been chosen. L listen, hand-picked. Now, I know this raises other questions, but what you mustn't do is let this undermine this astounding truth that God has set his heart on you. God did not make a mistake when he chose you. It, it wasn't an accident. It wasn't about your well-thought-out decision-making process or your morality, and perhaps you were more morally upright than your peers. No. He chose you before the creation of the world. Therefore, the basis of us being chosen rests in the choice God has made before the foundation of the world. I know that some people find that this can be a bit troubling. Isn't that just random, even unfair? 
um, where does human responsibility fall into that? And it is without doubt a big question. And there are different perspectives on the matter. And the Bible, it, the Bible here sort of, it gives us a mystery, which from a human perspective, I have to say, I can't truly fathom. Um, to use an Andrew Wilson illustration, um, Andrew is an elder and teacher at King's Church London, and the author of a number of Christian books. And what the Bible seems to say, he says, is that you approach a doorway and uh, above it is written, open to all comers who trust in Jesus. And as soon as you walk through the doorway, you turn around and see on the other side of the doorway, chosen before the foundation of the world. I don't know how both of those are, are fully true, but Paul doesn't present it as a puzzle. He doesn't present it as a problem, but seizes a great sense of confidence and security that our salvation is not dependent on man and the choice of man, but solely and entirely upon the grace of God. If you are a Christian, you've been united to Christ and cannot be ununited. It's a bit of a mouthful there, isn't it? And cannot be ununited. This is God's doing. You can't ununite yourself either. Listen to what Jesus says. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Do you want to hear that? I will never drive away. Romans 8 tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. It's just a wonderful truth. And it is to, to note that my identity is that I am chosen in Christ. As if to absolutely cement that massive truth of being chosen, verse 5 then goes on to tell us that we have been predestined to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ. I mean, chosen is one thing, but now the Bible tells us that we are adopted. <laughs> and the other day, we had a builder around to discuss some work on our house. And as we got into a conversation with him, he started to tell us that when he moved to his location, uh, their family then adopted a little boy. And he pulled out his wallet and proudly showed us the photo of his adopted son. And he was full of it. And the child had come from less than ideal circumstances. I can assure you, uh, it, it was absolutely wonderful. Oh, Christians, we've been adopted into the family of God. God didn't say, well, I've chosen you. I suppose I ought to adopt you. No, he's full of it. He's delighted that you found life in his son. Yes, for you. No reluctance, no reticence, no regrets. My friends, he delights in you. There's a common perception among Christians that to some degree, the father is less inclined to love and forgive than the son. The father did not need more persuading than the son, I can assure you. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the father. What I don't want to do today is to be caught up with concepts of chosen, adopted, redeemed, and miss the very heart behind it. In the second of Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, after the introduction starts, 
you get this line where he goes, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Well, the word mercies means divine compassion. He isn't, it isn't forced, my friends. It's the way God truly is. My book of the year is this book by uh, Dane Ortland. It's called Gentle and Lowly. And the, at the beginning of the book, he reminds us of what Jesus said about himself. It's as, as if Jesus pulled back a curtain and said, I, I am gentle and lowly, meaning humble, of heart. And when the Bible speaks of the heart, it is not merely a part of who the person is, but it's core to who they are. I mean, there are numerous aspects which we would associate with Jesus, his authority, his majesty, all of which is true. But right at the core of his being, the river that runs through his life is his very own claim that he is gentle and humble. And then I picture the father in the story of the prodigal son and the son who is a long way off and he's, and he's making his way home. And the father doesn't wait for the son. He runs to the son. That loving, gracious, gentle river runs through the father's heart. We've been adopted. And there's not an ounce of reluctance on God's part. I know adoption makes you a legal heir. And of course, that would have clear implications in Paul's day. But don't miss the heart of God towards you in all of this. Adoption means access, intimacy, security, and it means to be part of God's family. As one Christian writer says, it is the highest privilege to be in the family of God, and he loves it. Well, how is this all possible? Well, it's because you're in Christ. What Christ has, you have. So in verse 7, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. You know, before I worked for the church, I worked at a building society dealing with savings and mortgages. All these matters were managed at that time by the local branch. And every now and then a mortgage file would come across my desk where the final payment had been made. And I would confirm that this mortgage had been truly redeemed. And then we would have redeemed stamped all over it. Big, bold letters. You couldn't miss it. Redeemed. You know, the debt had been paid, all of it. Not, not even a penny outstanding. Redeemed. Well, <laughs> these blessings are ours because we've been redeemed. The Bible tells us that Jesus died for our sins. You know, I had a debt to pay to God and I, I could, that I couldn't pay. In him, we have redemption. In him, it's fully paid. The Bible tells us that we needed a savior. Why? Because we couldn't save ourselves. I couldn't erase the stain of guilt and shame for the things I had done. I, I couldn't do it. When I reached out to Jesus, telling him I was so sorry for the things I had done, one of the things I noticed was that God's forgiveness it was astounding. When we first had a dishwasher, I, I was amazed how clean those stained teacups would come out, you know, after the wash. I was just spotless. Well, that's what God's forgiveness was like. 
inside I felt so clean. I realized too that I didn't know how stained I was. How true are the words of that hymn, His blood can make the foulest clean. All through the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus refers to God as his Father. And on the cross, it's the only time he refers to his Father as God. You probably know the words, my, my God, my God, why have you forsake, forsaken me? It, it's almost as if he lost his sonship in order that we might be brought in to adoption. Jesus was put to death so that we could have life, uh, not just life everlasting. Why are all these blessings ours? They are ours and they are yours. When you accept what Jesus has done for you and rest in what Jesus has done for you, then you are united in Christ, chosen, adopted, redeemed and many other blessings besides Christians he loved us in our mess then, and he'll love us in our mess now. God is just as tender towards us now as he was the first time we came to him. The Bible says, he who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion. Keep reminding yourself of God's wonderful, joyful blessings over your life. Blessings, hallelujah.